Hello. Hello, Caleb. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. I'm ready to talk about some blade action. Good. Me too. I I am refreshed, I think. Because mm-hmm. I watched it again on, I believe it was Wednesday. Okay. So, yeah. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I kind of forgot. I yeah. Think, or I didn't well, feel confident about the amount of the movie that I retained from the first viewing. Yeah. And I, I think that's how I was feeling. So I actually re- rewatched it today um, and made some observations and such. Because I, I think I'd watched it like three weeks ago. Um, but. Yeah, very enjoyable. Um, we had said we wanted to watch something somewhat scary Halloween-y since we're in uh, October now. So this was my suggestion for a good vampire action movie, which could have some potentially scary elements. Um, so do you want to give us the lowdown on some of the behind-the-scenes facts? I will. I actually meant to pull up IMDb, but I forgot. But luckily, <laughs> the internet is a pretty fast-loading thing. It is. <clears throat> okay, so 1998, which I think it definitely felt like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think without knowing what year it came out, which I think I knew going in because I think 1998 is almost part of the title these days because there may be some other stuff out there that include the word Blade, and so they want to be sure that they're, I guess, distinguishing themselves from anything else that may share a similar name. But yes, 1998, and I'll talk about in a little bit, sort of, I guess, how the movie aged. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it was made in the 90s, so I guess we can discuss, do we think that it's kind of stuck in the 90s, or um, if it sort of... <clears throat> transitions well into the the new millennium and even 20 years mm. in so right. yeah i personally only recognized a few faces in this movie mm-hmm. i mean i knew wesley snipes but i think i knew him from blade <laughs> so yeah <laughs> um i don't know if i've ever watched this movie fully through before now Mm-hmm. But I knew that it existed, and I think I've seen parts of the movie beforehand. I couldn't really tell you what other films Wesley Snipes has been in, but mm-hmm. I I do think that Blade was one of his larger roles. Yeah, it looks like it. I just pulled that part up on <laughs> IMDb, um, and that's like the first listed thing. Among a few other maybe 90s, 
uh, classics. I think he's definitely a big 90s actor. Yeah, I know he was in a movie, I think, called, like, Demo Man or Demolition Man. Yeah. With another, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme or someone of that same status. Yeah. And, um, like, all great 80s and 90s action figures, he makes an appearance in one of the Expendables movies. Um, Expendables 3. So... (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen those, but I enjoy those because I've seen a lot of the old action movies, and it's just so funny how they just make fun of like the fact that they're old action stars that you know are still yeah. trying to do the same thing. So, and I want to correct myself. I just pulled it up. Demolition Man was with Stallone. Um, looks like there's, it's also listed with I'm or on his IMDb though. What did you What did you say? I said Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh, oh, so just correcting that actor got you, yeah. So him, yes. so Wesley Snipes and um, Sylvester Stallone. I think he's also in a movie I saw um, called, it's like U.S. Marshals or something like that. It was the follow-up, to, yeah, it was the follow-up to Harrison Ford's The Fugitive with, with Tommy Lee Jones being the marshal oh. chasing the fugitive Harrison Ford. So they c- carried over the um, Tommy Lee Jones Marshall character and now Wesley Snipes was the new pursued fugitive in that movie okay um, so yeah but all these movies that we're talking about are like 90s i think pretty much except for also, expendables um i'm seeing just as a as a note i see that blade has just been released on 4k like this week oh I wow it, so, yeah, it was actually just released onto Hulu this past week too. So when I rewatched it, I was able to rewatch it on Hulu. <laughs> um, That's I had to rent it twice. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, I felt I felt pretty. I didn't I didn't like that that I had to rent it twice because I don't know if I wanted to spend the money again. Yeah, but I it, it's not. It wasn't expensive or anything. I think it was like three bucks each viewing. Yeah. Um, But other than him, mm -hmm. uh, Wesley Snipes, I recognized the, I guess, second-in-command vampire. I think he's on a show that I used to view every now and then. Um, I can't even remember the show. Yeah. Is it the Donald Logue? Yeah, yeah, he was on. Um... I recognized him okay, as now well. I'm, now I'm gonna look it up. Oh, he's in the Patriot, so that's one place I know I've seen him. Oh, he's in Ghost oh, Rider. I've seen that. He was in Gotham. Okay. But the show that I know him from is like a sitcom where he's like a father. Hmm. Looking. This is probably very interesting podcast material. We're just looking through. <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah. Well, it's one of these things where you see these actors and you just wonder, like, you know, where have I seen um, this person before? Because some of these actors, I think, are there's a few faces that you've seen, but you're not sure where. Okay, I think it. I think it's the television show Grounded for Life. Hmm. Um, yeah. Early two thousands, two thousand one to two thousand five. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah. So, oh my gosh! So other actors. <laughs> so I think Chris Christopherson's probably the next big name, yeah. which I didn't know, yeah. but he, I guess he's more he's just as famous as a singer songwriter as he is, I guess, as an actor or yeah, anything else. Um, well, he was in the original A Star Is Born, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah, I think it's one of his claims to fame, um, which is kind of cool since we've seen you know the new updated version of Star Is Born. Yes. Might need to go back and watch the original sometime. 
Yes, I haven't seen it. Um, I know it has Barbara Streisand as well. Mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand. Um, I haven't seen it, but if it's you know half as decent as the the newer, yeah, the newer flick, it's probably a, a decent film. Yeah. So I think that's that's probably as much as you know we need to talk about with the actors. Um, yes, I, I don't think any of the other ones necessarily stick out too much. Yeah. Like not even the the main baddie. I, yeah. I didn't recognize him. I thought he looked kind of like Julian Smith. Um, <laughs> if, any of, if any of you have seen any uh, YouTube Julian Smith videos, they I think they have some similar features. But That'll be a fun afternoon if you don't know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, but yeah, I, I, did, I wasn't really... I mean, it makes sense. I wasn't too impressed with, like, his performance or his look or <laughs> yeah. anything. He seemed kind of plain yeah, for me. Yeah, I think we can get into a little bit later. Um, the portrayal of vampires in this movie um, and how, like, they kind of came across as a people group. Because um, I think that might have contributed some to the acting decisions and things. So, yes. But budget-wise, <clears throat> it looks like it did pretty well. Um, so yeah. 45 million estimated opening weekend. They co- covered about um, a third of that, and then they grossed in the U.S. more than 70 million. So, and well, yeah, worldwide, it looks twice like, as much as that. So, well, three times really, isn't it? Well, twice as much. So, what's seventy thousand times two is one hundred forty? Or I mean, seventy million times two is one hundred forty million. Oh, I was saying just in terms of their budget and how oh, much they oh, made oh, yeah. So, yeah, so the return they tripled. Yeah. yeah. Well, they I think worldwide, I guess that'd be um, almost yeah, tripling that. Good. Yeah, they tripled their investment. Yeah, good maths there. <laughs> um, so, so I yeah. have a college degree. <laughs> Oh, yes, in that business stuff. Um, one of the funny things I remember in just, you know, kind of last behind the scenes things is like watching the opening credits, you see Stan Lee's pop up, Stan Lee's name pop up on the screen. And of course, as a Marvel fan of modern movies, you you see that and you're like, oh, wow, like that's such like a rich heritage of things. And then you watch the rest of the movie and you realize this is so different than any of the other um, Marvel movies we've come to know in the Infinity Saga or you know, anything like that. So I thought that was, that was cool. This is a lot of people praise this movie for being a very like authentic representation of a graphic novel comic kind of thing with the stylized violence and gore and that kind of stuff. Yes. So it was a, it was a comic before it was a blockbuster film. Mm. Um, When I was watching it, I was getting very strong, daredevil vibes like the ben affleck oh yeah movie. i could see that um and i know that they kind of came out around the same time and they're both sort of dark comic book i guess heroes if you want to call them that. yeah they're kind of not anti-heroes but they're kind of just dudes that i guess are kind of playing by their own rules and yeah <clears throat> um vigilantes i suppose yeah but I, I i don't know if you felt that but i thought that they 
thinking back to that movie and knowing that they're both kind of comic movies that came out within a few years of each other, I felt that they had a very similar kind of feel to them. Yeah. And I would need to go back and watch um, Ben Affleck as Daredevil again to appreciate that. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's probably, I think th- there seems to be a way that, I don't know, 90 superhero movies was done, I guess, which mm-hmm. um, some of the movies around Blade did not do well. Like, I think there was a, ba- a Batman movie around that time that did not do well. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> Joel, Joel Schumacher's Batman movies that kind of flopped. Yeah. Which is funny because he directed a movie that I got into recently, The Lost Boys, mm. which was a good movie, but he kind of just kind of... He didn't really, I think, understand the <laughs> source material of Batman. Yeah, right. And, and his interpretation was very neon-oriented and <laughs> uh, just kind of very funky. Yeah. Um, I think that was an interesting observation. Um, and, yeah. I mean, I don't, do you want to get into talking about synopsis of the movie? Um, I, I have a few points I can just note to get us along the plot. And I took some structural notes of the movie as well that can kind of frame our discussion. Um, sure. W- one thing I wanted to say really mm-hmm. quick is that I think that there is part- there are particular movies that you can pinpoint and you see a shift in the way that comic book movies are made. Mm. Like there's different, not generations, but I guess periods where comic book movies are a certain, like there's a certain view of them or expectation for that movie. And then there's another movie that comes out and it's like, Oh, well this just changed the game and so on and so on. And so I believe the big one to like kick it off was the 1989 Batman movie by Tim Burton. And I think that movie kind of opened everyone's eyes to, you can make a very dark Gothic comic book movie that isn't very cheesy and cartoony, which is what we basically seen before. Mm. And I think that that movie set the stage for all of the movies that came for the next decade or so. Really just decades, so into the 90s. And so I think Blade was very much influenced by that movie, Batman 89. Mm. But then I think we break into the 2000s, and for me personally, I think that Spider-Man shifted us into a new era. Mm -hmm. Because that one was a little more... It was less dark. It wasn't rated R. And a little yeah. more, yeah. It wasn't rated R, and it was it was less dark, and it just had a, a different tone to it. And I think that that sort of influenced maybe like the Nolan movies. Even um, there, there may be a different movie, but for me, I kind of think that the break is the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. This, um, I guess, it was Sam Raimi. Hmm. I know that he did Spider Man Two. I don't know if he did like the first one. But I think that movie marks a shift. And then, of course, Iron Man is the next movie that sort of... I mean, after 
obviously the Batman movies are its own like category and kind yeah. of <laughs> um Nolan kind of did his own thing and influenced but I don't think that the Marvel movies are necessarily influenced by the Batman movies because they have just such a different tone and the way that they're made they have a they just carry themselves differently yeah. but I I do think that there it's 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 just very I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's very interesting to look at comic book movies and see how they've I guess changed over the last 30 30ish years um and and the influences that various movies have on the ones to come yeah yeah I think that's a great observation that all these movies that we're enjoying now are part of a lineage um, and a tradition of comics that have transitioned to the film medium um, through the creative efforts of people like, you know, Stan Lee and Marvel and DC's respective teams and stuff. So this is a cool kind of throwback and just very different um, kind of movie that what you, what you might think of now when you say, let's watch a comic book movie. It's, this is probably not um, what the modern movie goer would expect. Yes. Um, so yeah, in terms of what to, what the movie, how it's kind of set up and what it's about, I give a quick I don't know, overview. Um, so for me, I see a few different design elements to the movie where there's an opening flashback that gets you into the conflict and the action with Blade's mother being bitten by a vampire. Um, in the hospital as he's she's giving birth to him. So it's like, okay, this is crazy. Um, and then the movie opens onto a, a club scene um, where there's strobe lights. There's this, the, what they call a bloodbath where the sprinklers and ceilings shoot out <laughs> blood um, in this crazy rave dancing. Um, and then, of course, Blade shows up and there's a crazy fight. Um, but... I think what a really good way to organize the movie in one's mind is to think about it in terms of its club scenes. So I think there's an opening club scene that we just mentioned. Um, then you have some expositional stuff with learning more about Blade as the vampire hunter and about his respective enemy, Frost, who is a um, vampire who was not born a vampire, but he was made a vampire, and that's part of the chip on his shoulder. Um, and then you have the middle club scene where they discovered the vampire's archives where there's, um, they learned about this prophecy that Frost um, is trying to get fulfilled to increase his power as a vampire. Um, and there's another massive fight that breaks out um, with one of Frost's um, henchmen where some very similar thing kind of things happen where like the henchman Quinn loses one arm in the first fight and he loses the other arm in, the, in that fight. Um, and when Blade pins uh, Quinn on the wall with two silver stakes um, in the first fight, Quinn does the same thing, or tries to do the same thing to Blade in that, that fight. Um, so I think that's kind of the first two, what I would call club scenes. I would actually call the final scene in the ancient temple another club scene. Um, so they're in this old ancient vampire place that people have kind of forgotten about, which is the setting for where this prophecy is going to be fulfilled and how this apocalyptic um, Dra or, uh, Dracula, not Dracula, um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, the vamp, yeah, La Magra, La Magra. the vampire god is going to come. Um, so you have 
a lot of images very similar to the first two club scenes, which is why I'm calling this temple another one of Frost's clubs. So you have falling blood, just like the bloodbath at the beginning, like the the ritual involves a blade's blood being shed and poured out around this room in these different streams of blood, which is kind of like, I guess, imagery, you know, that first part when there's lightning coming down, um, when La Magra is being summoned, it creates this strobing effect. Um, and when Blade finally regains his power after escaping from the bondage he's in, there is the same music playing as at the beginning when he's in that first club rave kind of scene when he's like kicking everybody's butt. Um, and this, there's a few other things like the, the blonde woman who evaded Blade's gunfire in the first fight. She's evading um, Karen's gunfire in the last fight before Karen pepper sprays her with garlic and her head blows up. Um, and almost all <laughs> of the fighting is just really kind of dancey, you know? So it's just like the, the movie really, mm-hmm. yeah. Very so the movie's stylized. really, um, I kind of see it arranged around mm-hmm. those three clubs. Um, and then of course the movie ends with this flash forward to where you see Blade in Moscow, where it looks like a man is now seducing a woman into one of these vampire clubs, but then Blade, um, intervenes. So I think there's some cool, I don't know, in, uh, connection and inversion, you know, there in the structure of the movie. And the rest of the movie is pretty much just alternations between looking at Blade in his hideout with his team and looking at Frost in his various settings with the uh, Vampire Council, like with his pursuit of the prophecy in his own parties in his house. Um, with the really middle showdown being when they meet face to face in Chinatown. Like, I think that's kind of supposed to be held up as the one of the turning points in the movie. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but when they face off in Chinatown and they kind of like Frost is trying to win Blade over to his side, the little girl that uh, Frost is holding hostage, I'm pretty sure that's Brenda Song. Um, I, I am, sure? I'm not sure because I Googled this and tried <laughs> to look it up. And there are several people asking the same question. Um, so if it wasn't her, it looks a lot like her. But she would have been about 10 years old, so the age might not be quite right. So it might not be her. Um, but yeah, I just was, I, first time I saw, it, I was like, "Wait, is that Brenda Song that just got thrown into the street like forty feet and was magically okay?" <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be that would be a neat little <clears throat> not an Easter egg because they didn't really know who she'd become. Yeah. but that'd be just like a little nifty, I guess, thing to know for for people our age who sort of grew up on yeah. the channel originally. <laughs> yeah, it's... very very surprising context um to to see that actress and <laughs> actress in um as a child child actor. Yeah. Which that that was a pretty crazy scene because he chucks a little girl through like a a bus stop kind of I guess kiosk if you will. I don't really know what they're the glass right. panes that have right. like a bench. Um, he chucks a little girl through it and she goes into the street and she is, I guess, seemingly mm-hmm. unharmed. She She's in danger of being hit by a bus, but Blade saves her. But that was just kind of a a shocking, almost comical <laughs> scene for yeah. me. So I was just like, did, did yeah. he seriously <laughs> just do that? Um, yeah, as if you didn't have <laughs> but... already enough reason to hate Frost, like, now you can finally just hate him because he he abuses everybody yeah. and has no heart. Well, he's also, he's also, I guess they they did this to help 
send home the point that he is our bad guy, but I think that the entire movie's, hmm. I guess, catalog of F-bombs almost belong to him exclusively. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I don't think anyone else says the F-word more than maybe once or twice a, a piece, if at all. And he, I think, says it maybe 50 to 100 yeah. times. I, I don't know what the count is, but that was def- I think that's probably one of the, the strongest reasons um, this movie was rated R. Because I mean the violence, I mean it was violent and there was gore, but usually when those the vampire gore would be like really cra- either crazy a CGI special CGI. effects or they would just like disintegrate and there's no like blood or anything. Uh, so there's either like exploding yeah. bodies and heads or they just kind of like fade away, or you you just see like bullets yeah. being fired and and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so that was just my kind of observations of the structure of the movie. Like I said, I think even from the movie poster, if you look at the movie poster or like the cover of the movie or whatever, on it you see Blade within the background lurking Frost and with his in like this red glow behind Blade. So I think even from that and the names of those actors on there, like the movie sets itself up just to be a showdown between um, two guys who are both mixed vampires in different ways. So Frost being a vampire or a man who became a vampire and is trying to earn his way and get the respect of everyone in the the vampire world and use their power to, to rule everything versus Blade, who is the, you know, unintentional mixed vampire who hates, you know, being a vampire, but has made his mission to kill all the vampires um, because of that. Yeah, they call him the, the Daywalker, Daywalker, which is such a cool title. Um, and, <laughs> of course, he carries a blade like a sword that um i think is pretty important you know object and he wields it so well um and like how he always like perfectly is able to put it back in the scabbard on his back um so it's very cool style on it i really liked all the fighting and his different gadgets and guns and how they incorporated you know the um silver and garlic kind of stuff like you know traditional vampire lore into um into the story so yeah i think that those are all very um interesting observations especially the one about the Mm -hmm. the club scenes i i definitely didn't catch that but hearing you explain it 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 definitely Mm -hmm. i think holds up because each i guess encounter that the the vampire cult and blade have each encounter definitely has a very thematic, um, I guess there, there's, like you said, there's a lot of, there's a mm-hmm. score that kind of comes in and it's a very, I guess, upbeat song that you could yeah. hear definitely in, in a, in a clubbing environment and there, and the, the action is very stylized and, um, very, mm-hmm. there's a cadence to it that definitely carries itself. Um, to the, to I guess like you said, it it seems yeah. like they're dancing, which I think is definitely a really cool observation. So so yeah, thanks for sharing that. I I definitely wouldn't have come mm. up with that on my own. Um, maybe I maybe I'd need to watch it a couple yeah. more times. Well, I think that was part of the that. fruit of the first time watching it. I was like, I think they do a really good job of creating co- continuity and connections with all the different fight scenes and how they escalate um, the conflict. But definitely watching it a second time was when I was more paying attention to those, um, to those details, and 
Of course, one of the biggest plot twists being that Blade's mother has actually been alive all this time. We thought she died at the beginning in the hospital. But then she comes back at the end, oddly dressed almost exactly like Blade's new friend, Karen. Um, and they, like, <laughs> they, they are you know, both African-American women. They're both wearing like all black, um, like with similar like pants and shirt and jacket. It's just like, like, whoa, like which one am I looking at right now? Um, and so there's, I think there's some intentional contrast there where like, not that Karen's like replacing his mother, but of course one of Blade's big hero choice moments is he has to kill his mother to proceed, you know, in his quest to, to kill Frost. Um, and Karen, you know, is instrumental in doing that and also potentially curing um, his vampirism, which we don't get completely resolved in the first Blade movie, at least. Um, yeah. So I'm... There you go ahead. Did you... Uh, well, I, I'm going to send it into <laughs> left field. <laughs> so, so I'll let you finish um, your thought. Well, I was also going to say something. I was going to send it into left field. So it depends on which one of us wants to uh, send it into left field first. Well, I'll just mm-hmm. I'll just make a comment. <laughs> Did you think that there was some very, I guess, overtly incestual kind of? Oh yeah, moments in this movie. Yeah, between that made me Blade and his very mother. uncomfortable. Um, where she's like trying to seduce <laughs> uh, him almost. Yeah, uh, like tempt him and like she when he finds her, she's like laying in Frost's bed and stuff like. I think that would that was definitely intentional, but I think that goes into their portrayal of I think the you know the sleek, sexy, fancy, I don't know, vampire that they were going for in this movie. But I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on that too. Yeah. Well, I just thought it was a very interesting choice. I know that traditionally, vampires are supposed to be very sexual beings, like the fact that. Typically in the past, mm. in the, I guess, OG vampire movies, it, it it basically nods itself to, if you will, the deflowering of like a yeah. young virgin girl, where um, that was just kind of the um, tones, the, the overtones, I guess, if you will, that yeah. existed in those movies, the... So I know that that's kind of a a theme that exists mm. within vampire movies. And still to this day, like mm. if you look at the Twilight series, <laughs> I mean, I've never seen those movies, but I know that it's, I know that it's about, uh, yeah, it is a romance, Robert Pattinson's yeah. character who is, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's about him sort of being attracted to a girl. And I suppose not having seen the movie, he is um, trying to mate or pair up with her. And so he's, he's in a sense, trying to take her innocence and sort of make her his mm. yeah. partner. And, and in doing so, I guess vampires typically would, would have to turn yeah. you into a vampire. So I, I, know that, I know that all that being said, I know that vampires are typically very sexualized mm-hmm. monsters, if you will. And so I just think it was very interesting that they took that 
I guess I'm trying to think of the word, not, I guess, stereotype. I can't think of any other words that they took that stereotype of vampires, but they sort of analyzed the relationship between a mother and son through Mm. the lens of vampires. I don't, I don't know. I might not, I'm trying to think Mm. of how to say what I'm thinking, but I'm Mm. having issue right now. But I, I think it. I think that the that the incestual kind of arc that exists plainly in the movie, I think that it's a very interesting yeah. choice. Um, yeah. Because she, I suppose she is trying to get him to give in to the life that she accepted herself. Yeah. And she's trying to, yeah. you know, tell her son, stop yeah. fighting. And he also, she also says, at one point, um, I'm not your mother anymore. And then right before he's about to kill her, she's like, wait, you can't kill your mother. Like, she's, you know, she casts herself almost as she is. she has transcended being, you know, a human's mother or another person's mother by becoming a vampire. And she's the same age, of course, she was when she gave birth to him. So, yeah, it was, that, it was, that was, I think it was intentional. I'm not sure exactly what it means or what it says. If like Blade's got an Oedipus complex, or like if that was, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, I mean, it could be argued because one of his biggest story arcs or character arcs is that he is looking for the mm-hmm. man that I guess took his mother from him which could, you know, be argued as the yeah. substitute for a father figure because fathers, you know, take the affection of the mother away from the uh, from the child um mm-hmm. romantically anyways. And and we just talked about how vampires are very sexual beings, so you could look at it as the person that turned her into a vampire really took her in a sense and and uh took her as a partner, a sexual partner. And so Blade is now trying to kill the man that took mm-hmm. his mother away from him. So yes, I do think that that definitely could be argued that there is also like an Oedipus kind of story arc yeah. that exists within this movie too. Yeah. I just thought it was very interesting to mm-hmm. throw in <laughs> because I, I feel like there was there was a clear you know plot going on like there's this i guess there's the main plot and there's kind of this secondary arc that is going on towards yeah. the end mostly that they sort of just throw in there like okay yes it's about this one vampire wanting to come to power you have a vigilante that is fighting vampires because they took his mother from him and so he thinks they're all evil and just wants to kill them, but then they kind of turn it into this secondary plot about Blade needing to kill the <laughs> the guy that mm-hmm. took his mom from him. And I, I feel like that, that kind of just seemed like a footnote until they brought it in in the last act, and it kind of felt yeah unneeded. I, I thought that I guess what I'm ramping up to is I thought that it was very disappointing that they mm. kind of brought his mother back in for this uh, movie. Yeah. 
and said that um, Frost was the guy that turned his mother. I felt this this movie was unnecessarily busy at the yeah. very end in terms of plot. I didn't think that they needed to bring his mom back. They could have done that in a sequel, and it would have been very compelling. Right. Um, I don't. I, I'm not a. I'm not a screenwriter, so I. I I'm not going to write a sequel for this movie because there already exists. Mm-hmm. One already exists, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it was very disappointing to learn that Frost was the guy that turned his mother. I thought that that whole yeah. part of the movie was disappointing. Because it kind of seemed like, oh, also, here's this. And uh, I think that Frost is a very disappointing character to find that out about. Because it just seems yeah, convenient. <laughs> and and I, I, I didn't really need to see his mother in this movie. And I didn't necessarily think that Frost was too compelling yeah. of a character to begin with. He might have been more compelling <laughs> if it was a different actor. <laughs> because... I don't. I don't know. I just. I see this kind of scrawny mm. guy <laughs> who is. I'm being yeah. told is the main bad guy. It there. There were some things. I guess I'm showing my hand a little bit, but there were some things that yeah. really didn't work for me in this movie. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make. I'll, I'll shut up. But I, I just. I felt that it, the movie got very busy unnecessarily. Yeah. And so I, that even reflects in the notes I was taking. Like I have like the the scene and then like a few notes beside each each point and there's like one line of notes for all the other scenes and there's like five lines of notes just for like everything that was going on um thematically and plot wise in the at the end so i would agree um so i mentioned i had a, a, a an additional left field contribution um but i want to kind of i guess re re-summarize the movie and see if you agree with all of these statements. This isn't going to be, I guess, completely linear, but um, are you down for that? So, Blade as a movie, right? So, at one level, it's about humans versus vampires, but it's also more complex than that. Um, We have a human joining a team of vampire hunters at their reclusive hideout, uh, being, you know, Karen. Um, The ringleader is this old man with a personal grudge against vampires, um, being Mr. Uh, Whistler. Uh, the vampires, among other things, have a weakness of daylight and have to feed on blood to keep their powers going. Um, vampires are divided between those who are pure bloods and those who are changed um, later in life. Um, but we meet them in the movie, you know, get all gathered around one big table together trying to figure out vampire stuff. Um, in general, the vampire hunters are trying to keep their battle in the shadows with the vampires before that vampires take over, you know, and start attacking in the streets of the cities. Um, but, you know, one of the big conflicts turns out that not all vampires are on the same page because one power crazed vampire is trying to fulfill an ancient prophecy ritual that requires the blood of a special chosen vampire who we find out is blade. Um, of course, some vampires have familiars to do their bidding and protect them. Like we meet the police officer who's kind of like a, a thrall or he's trying to become a vampire under frost, which is a whole kind of funny you know, <laughs> scenario. Um, there is a quest put forth to cure vampirism, um, which for Karen solves it for herself. But, you know, that's one of the pending things for Blade at the end of this first movie. And of course, big, big point being the hero um, who is a mixed vampire ends up 
fighting against the vampires um, alongside humans in this epic uh, showdown. So would you agree with basically all those points? So now I want to read through the same things, but I'm going to be telling you what I'm actually describing is the Dawn Guard quest line from Skyrim. (laughs) I was just thinking that as you were saying everything, I was about to say, this sounds (laughs) like it's out of Skyrim, but just in a different period. So think about in the the Dawn Guard (laughs) quest line, it is about humans versus vampires. That's why you join the Dawn Guards because you want to be human killing vampires. Um, But it becomes much more complex than that. Um, so when you're joining the team of vampire hunters at the reclusive tower in the southeast of Skyrim, you are this normal human or other Skyrim species. Um, the ringleader, Isran, is this old man. He has a personal grudge against vampires. Um, vampires, factually, in Skyrim, their primary weakness is to daylight, and they have to feed on blood to keep their powers going, or, or you know, or to keep the powers, I guess, at bay. But they have, in order to function, they have to somehow make a decision on blood. Um, the vampires, when we find, kind of find out that the vampires that the Dawnguard are fighting against are divided between the purebloods and those who are changed, or there's at least a distinction that comes to matter because um, Serana is this hero who's the mixed vampire who ends up fighting, fighting against the vampires with the humans because she is this uh, special daughter of Cold Harbor whose blood is needed to fulfill this ancient ritual prophecy that her father's trying to do which is going to kill her, but it's going to allow him to, to transcend and become super powerful. So all the vampires are not on the same page. Um, the vampire hunters are trying to fight in the shadows because, of course, vampires are attacking in the streets in Skyrim. If you've ever just traveled around, um, you get attacked by vampires, you know, in random places. And if you become a vampire in the Dawnguard quest line, you have to cure vampirism before you can rejoin the Dawnguard to have your final battle with um, against Harkin, I believe. So... All of, I just thought it was hilarious that all of those plot points are basically in common between those two things. And yes. I don't want to accuse um, the Bethesda of any type of you know, plagiarism here, <laughs> but the, <laughs> even the basic fact of there being like an v- ancient prophecy that needs the blood of like a, a special vampire to be fulfilled, like that's, you know, that's pretty dependent, I feel like, on the Blade storyline. Well, I think, first of all, I love that you made that connection because mm. I actually did too. Yeah. I was going to say it as just an aside, but I'm glad that you sort of brought it up and mm-hmm. sort of fleshed it out a bit more. But I, I will say, in defense of Bethesda, I'm not so certain that Blade or the screenwriters for Blade necessarily came up with that narrative i i would i would go so far as to say that it might be a mythological Mm. kind of story that transcends decades and well centuries and and has existed for a while that because i mean it it seems the kind of story Mm. that is ancient like, like this could have been similar to, you know, Homer's The Odyssey, it, like a story that has been passed down yeah. um, vocally for many generations since people first made up the term vampire. Yeah. So, because um, it, it does, it does just seem like a very, a story that 
comes back quite often in vampire mm. lore, if you will. Because I, I've I've um, seen a few other movies or you know read some stuff in my time that has you know I guess pieces that intersect with the two stories. Right. That I think that's probably a better explanation. That there to. is this older you know, story where the fulfillment of prophecy matters, um, you know, and that kind of like the conflict between good and evil, even among maybe like a vampires being involved or, you know, supernatural beings and stuff. So yes, to be fair, I also don't think they plagiarize. I just think it's hilarious that they're so similar that you could almost, <laughs> that if I ever go play through the Don, oh, and I, oh, also definitely. I noticed this because I, I played through the Dawn guard quest like a week ago um, with, with uh, uh, my character, Babu Bali. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, what's that, uh, for our fans, that's a whole different conversation they'll have to have maybe if we ever analyze the, the Bahubali movies. Uh, we should yeah. totally, um, we should totally talk but, about that Yeah, so, I, that, yeah, right. Um, or that song. So, I don't know, for that reason, I really enjoyed watching Blade and analyzing it and talking about it. Um, so I don't know if you have any other things you want to share before we move to evaluating, but that's probably where I rest my case. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have anything else to share. Um, yeah, I think we, I think we covered the, the interesting topics. Uh, I could, I could mention a few things mm -hmm. like, Oh, I didn't expect Whistler to die or, um, cause I, I haven't read the comic books, but yeah. he seemed like a very yeah. important character to Blade, and I, I would assume that he yeah. was a reoccurring character in in the right. comic well, books. So yeah. I thought it was very interesting that yeah. well, he was I don't, killed. I don't want to steal this movie. the thunder, but I think he might actually um, come back <laughs> in the other movies, which creates some, some other. Oh, wow! I don't know how they do it. I'll have to watch it to find out. Well, I mean, I get. I guess we did not see yeah. his uh, brains get blown out. Uh, we, we just heard a shot mm. off screen and yeah. just assumed that he died. But yeah. that might not be the case. But but I did think that as a person who has not seen the other movies, I did think it was an interesting choice to kill off someone who seemed like a very important character to the... Uh, I guess Blade. Yeah, yeah. Series, if you will. I thought it. I thought it was an interesting choice to kill him off. But I mean, if they if they didn't kill him off, if they're playing some some you know sneaky sneaky kind of trickery here, then um, that would actually be very interesting to to see if they yeah bring him back in in future um. movies. But. Other than that, yeah, I don't. I don't think I have anything cool. else much to, to um, add. I'm trying to remember whose turn it is to go first for evaluation. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's say you. I need to be rating for this movie <laughs> is seven point one on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it was like fifty five percent or something like that. Um, which, in general, seems like for rated R movies, they might have lower scores. Um, you know, so like we don't. I don't I'm not saying we need to give a genre subscore, um, but because of the structural things I observed, where I really liked the escalation between the, between club scenes and then the alternation between just basically 
Blade and Frost scenes, like in the in the movie, um, and of course just the Dongard connections. Uh, I think any Skyrim fan could <laughs> understand me giving this movie um, an eight. So I'm going to go above the IMDb rating, and I'm going to say because I, I really I really did uh, wow. come to enjoy it. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch it a third time, but I think I'm definitely going to watch the second and third ones at some point, you know, <laughs> because of that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, I I almost think that we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I almost think that we should introduce a new... I guess rating mm, scale okay. for comic book movies because I just thinking to the future I assume that we will look at more comic book movies like you can't really avoid them in today's day and age especially yeah. I know that me and you both enjoy them and but I do think that they are cut from a different cloth than most other movies um, for, for I, guess, I guess what I'm thinking is I enjoy the Marvel movies. The Infinity Saga I thought was excellent, and I, I loved yeah. um, watching that unfold as I grew up. Because I guess, you know, they, they came out when I was a teenager, and the, I guess, first big story arc that, you know, encompassed all of the 20-some movies that there are concluded, like, right as mm-hmm. I was sort of thrust into adulthood. So I kind of grew up with those movies. So I, I do enjoy them a lot, but I would not necessarily say that they are great movies. I think they're good, but I wouldn't give them above right. like sixes or sevens. Um, given, you know, the movies that I've seen and the ones that I think are excellent, I think that, you can't really compare, you know, like Shawshank <laughs> Redemption to <Yeah>. Avengers. <laughs> so I, I think that I think there's a, a a large a large gap between mm. those movies in terms of excellence. So I, I do think, and I do think that the exception would be the Nolan movies. And again, I might be showing my hand for future you know, episodes if we, if we continue doing this and if we cover like the Nolan movies, but I think that those movies are not just good comic book movies, but they're good movies in general. But all that to say, I, I think that it would be a good move. And, and I'm curious to see what you think, but I do think that we could introduce a, a sort of comic book. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe you you show me how that affects your rating this time, and then I can, you know, think about how that would affect my rating in future times. Okay. Um, Well, I guess I'll jump into it. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more to say in this section. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed the movie. (laughs) I did not think it was a good movie. (laughs) Um, Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Wesley Snipes. I, I enjoyed, um, I guess, the overall plot. I, I watched. I, I liked watching it 
everything unfold. But I did think that there was a lot of weaknesses, and it might be, like I said earlier, it might be due to mm-hmm. um, when it was made, its its age, because I do think that it is For stuck sure. in the '90s in terms of special effects and just just the way it looks. And you know, me being a person that is now living in 2020, I, I. I definitely don't think that the the special effects of of this movie translates to our time because it mm-hmm. it it really looks very cheap. Um like when when the vampires are killed by yeah. the blades blade if you will uh they kind of turn into very cartoonish oh, looking yeah. skeletons that crumble into nothing. Um but it it just does not look good and the uh frost's lamagra form at the very end when he's exploding mm-hmm. it's oh yeah it i just, laughed it was it was laughable just about <laughs> and and i don't i don't want to yeah. be too too harsh on this movie cuz i did enjoy it like i said but i i i did have i was thinking the whole time i was watching it like oh wow this mm-hmm. this definitely was made in 1998 um and and you know when we talked about total recall uh several weeks ago Mm -hmm. i i talked about how i thought it aged decently because of they used practical effects and and while the effects weren't amazing i think i think that practical effects always age better and i just i respect them a lot more than than um cgi and and this movie definitely i i believe is dated um, I also did not, and I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, I did not enjoy, uh, I'm going to look up his name actually, Yeah. Um, Stephen Dorff. I did not mm. enjoy his portrayal of Frost. I, I That's not coming from a person who knows the character of Frost. It, it might have been made up for the movie. It might have been a character that was in the comic books, but I just... I didn't find him believable as the main bad guy of a vampire cult. That was just my personal opinion. Um, I, I, I mean, I think, I think he, he does an okay job of playing the douchebag role, but, (laughs) uh, I I think I just would have liked someone else in that role. I, I don't know who off the top of my head, who I think, Oh, that person looks the part Mm-hmm. Of what I would expect this person to be or behaves that way, I just I just wasn't too um, encapsulated by the the head baddie. And my one last critique is the like I was talking about the sort mm-hmm. of busy third act where they kind of bring back the mom tell you that frost is the guy that turned her and it just it it becomes very messy and convoluted and and um i i do think that it is to the detriment of the film because i do think that it was it was good up until that point and it wasn't it didn't become awful but i feel like that was very much a story that they could have told in in a latter movie um and so all of that being said I I think in terms of just a movie as a person that's watching this 
with all of my biases mm-hmm. and experiences and <laughs> everything that's sort of affecting how I view this movie, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give it like a five maybe as a movie. As a comic book movie, I did enjoy the action scenes. They were they mm-hmm. were very stylized, which is a is a choice to make. Um, I did I didn't mind it. If if you're you know a fan of you know the new Daredevil show or um, yeah the yeah what's the you know j- just modern stuff yeah. modern fight scenes have definitely improved. <laughs> Or are, I guess, done a different way. Um, the fight scenes in this movie definitely felt like they were choreographed from this time. I mean, it just felt very centralized to whoever was chore- um, choreographing this film was like, okay, we're doing a comic book movie in the 90s. So this is the fight style we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that comes across the way that I'm trying to explain it, but but I felt that the fight, the fighting wasn't necessarily captivating. I I appreciated it in this movie, but if I watched any other movie and the fight the fight scenes were mm-hmm. what they are in this movie, I might be disappointed. Um, but again. Like you were talking about it, I think it was a choice because it was very much um, <laughs> trying to think of. I'm just at a loss for words today. I can't think of. Yeah, I, th- I think the yeah. words that I want to say to describe yeah. stuff. It was very. There was a lot of pageantry. Pageantry. There was a lot of you know. There was there was cadence mm-hmm. to the fighting. There was um, rhythm, um, which which I appreciated in the context of this movie, but I don't necessarily think I like that yeah. style just yeah. as a blanket statement, like, oh, I like the, the action in this movie. Um, but, you know, I think for a comic book movie in the 90s and looking at other people's thoughts, like if you just look at the IMDb um, reviews, like a lot of people are impressed with this movie and we're like, oh yeah, this is a really good comic book movie, and I think, you know, coming post-1989 Batman, um, and it has that very gothic, kind of dark tone to it, it's an R-rated comic book movie, um, and, and also coming on the back end of the Joel Schumacher Batman movies, which kind of obliterated the Batman series, and sort of made comic books... Mm-hmm comic book movies into sort of like a a joke again um this movie must have been refreshing right to to people in 1998 um to see to see a solid comic book movie that sort of portrays the character that they that they enjoy um in such a very i guess valuable way so or or i guess rewarding it if you're a fan of blade (laughs) And again, I haven't read the comic books, so I don't. <laughs> um, but if you were a fan of Blade when this movie came out, I would, I would, um, I would assume that the fans would have been, um, they would have been happy with the the end result. Um, so, so that being said, in terms of a comic book movie, 
um, that came out when it did, mm-hmm. I, I I would definitely give it like a like a seven. I think that the uh, the fans of IMDb get that right, but um, I I personally just had some issues with it, and I don't necessarily think <laughs> yeah. it's a good movie, but it was an enjoyable movie. And I don't I didn't mean to. I kind of knew <laughs> that I was going to take that journey at the very end here i I kind of yeah knew how i felt about the movie after i've watched it a couple times um i don't all of that to say like i i did enjoy the movie um but i i don't think that i can um give it undue praise that's that's completely fair um, where it's not i mean (laughs) i i probably am just being a little I'm, i'm giving it an eight on a high right now just because of how much fun i had um watching it with so it's like yeah which yeah yeah i'd say that's kind of that's that's kind of that's why i gave it the rating i did for the the subcategory of comic book movies because i did have fun watching it i did enjoy it it wasn't hard to sit through (laughs) It, it it was fun but but um i think I think what I was trying to do is sort of rank mm-hmm. it based on the movies that I've seen. And mm. we talked about this before. I don't know if we know what a 10 is, but I have movies in yeah. mind that are, you know, nines and eights. And I don't think that this movie can come close to those in terms of yeah. just being a very solid film that, that stands up. Um, on its own and, and has, you know, very few flaws. Um, and, and again, this is all just my personal opinion on the movie, but, but I, I can't give it, you know, one or two points less than I would mm-hmm. give, you know, La La Land or, or a movie that yeah. we both I think, I I think really that's, enjoy. that's fair. Um, I, I think it's good that you were able to articulate all those things. Um, yeah, and maybe we'll have to think more about subscores and stuff for the future, just to to do, to honor each movie as it is, you know, as it sits in its own genre, time, expectations of the audience, kind of kind of way. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't think we should do it for every movie, but. I do think that there are like horror, for instance, when, when me and you are trying to decide mm-hmm. what horror movies to watch, you have to take the IMDb and Rotten Tomato scores with a grain of salt because horror movies typically and traditionally aren't yeah. necessarily seen as, as good movies. And so like <laughs> a, a a horror movie could be rated mm-hmm. like a 5.9 but be a solid horror movie um and that's just what people think of it as a movie in general like as as just a a movie not as a horror movie um and i don't think that it's as important to have a subcategory for comic book movies but i think for me personally i do have to sort of step out of my love for superheroes and and um sort of 
rate them in in sort of context of just film as a as a um discipline because i i do not think that it would be fair to give any comic book movie and uh, barring the <laughs> nolan movies which i have an unhealthy obsession and appreciation for but i do not think it would be fair to say to give <laughs> you know like um avengers 1 a 7 mm. when you give you know, Silence of the Lambs, like an eight or nine. It's like, is is, he, is Avengers really <laughs> one one point lower than a movie that won an Oscar for yeah. best film and and is yeah. you know regarded as one of the best movies ever made? Um, so I think that's why coming up with these subcategories and and like I said, I don't want to do it for every subcategory subgenre that exists, but. I, I do like to sort of step out of the fandom and sort of rate it as a as just a film within the discipline of making movies, but then also sort of step back in and be like, well, this was a yeah. solid movie if you're a comic book yeah. fan. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was a lot of talking on my part at the end there. And I, I, I apologize, but I just wanted to sort of explain sort of yeah. my reasonings for for some things and <laughs> allow the listeners but also you to sort of yeah. understand why well, I, I appreciate your words as always <laughs> um, we will I guess talk later and figure out what movie is up next but for our fans who have been listening this long we thank you for your time uh, we appreciate you and you are the best um <laughs> And let us know if there's anything you'd like us to do differently. Um, you got any other parting words, Caleb? Let us know what you thought of Blade. Uh, let <laughs> me know if you think I was too harsh on the movie at the very end there. Um, but yeah, let us know what you thought of Blade um, yourself. And let us know if there's any movies you'd like us to talk about next. And, uh, yeah, let us know if there's, uh, just to echo Seth, let us know if there's any um, thing that you think we could do differently or, or to improve this, I guess, For sure. discussion. Well, all you former movie pass we holders, we thank you and we look forward to um, talking with you soon. Mm-hmm.